Superman Forever Radio, Episode 85, Christopher Reeve. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the infant of ship town is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to Superman Forever Radio. I'm Bob Fisher. You know, one of the nice things about having a podcast is that you get to meet other people that you normally would not meet. Uh, Some virtually, most virtually, actually, whether they be listeners who send you some email or other podcasters that you get to record with or talk to on Skype before and after you do a show. But occasionally, you actually get to meet one in person. You get together in person. That happened a few days ago. When Michael Bailey, on his way to his high school reunion in Pennsylvania, stopped off here in Richmond. That's right. Bob Fisher, Michael Bailey, same room, same time. Very cool. Now, on his way to his high school reunion, Michael Bailey stopped into town in Richmond, Virginia, with his lovely wife, Rachel, and Kim and I, and Michael and Rachel had a great dinner. We scarfed down some burgers and talked Superman till the wee hours. Uh, I think we basically closed the place down. A lot of fun. And Michael, what a pleasure to meet Michael Bailey in person. Uh, Super guy. So, Michael, I'm glad you were able to stop by and we had the time to chat and actually, you know, meet each other in person. That was fun. Enjoyed it. Hope we can do it again sometime. Now, before we get into the episode, well, I guess we're already really into the episode, but before we get to the main topic of tonight... Christopher Reeve and those movies. A couple of other things. Some email. I've gotten a lot of email. I appreciate it. I'm going to, again, save it until another show, and I'll probably try to do a lot of emails all at one time because the stack isn't that loaded. But just, you know, a couple of thanks for some emails from uh, Mario Benesse, of course, who does a great show, Up, Up, and Away. Douglas Meacham. Michael Bailey sent some email. Uh, Mark Lax. Thank you. Terrific. Uh, Send some comments about the Jimmy Olsen show. Oh, 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 oh. And Michael Bradley. As you know, I was on uh, on Superman and Batman. And we talked about the composite Superman. And I just did another segment from Michael Bradley's show where uh, I looked at the comic books in March of 1999 for the segment on his show Elsewhere in the DC Universe. That was a lot of fun. And Michael Bradley sent me some email regarding the show I did about uh, Wonder Man, the new hero of Metropolis, where I talked about uh, Superman's robots. And I uh, queried that I didn't really know when I was going to look up and find out when the first use of a Superman robot appeared in the comics, because I didn't know. And I, I've been reading them a long time, and I couldn't quite pinpoint it. And Michael Bradley... Uh, sends email, and in his email he says that he thinks it's World's Finest, number 42, is the first time Superman used a look-alike robot. So uh, I will check out World's Finest, number 42. That sounds cool. It sounds about right. 1957, 58, I think is when that is. So that sounds about right. Uh, Thank you, Michael. 
Uh, we're big fans of minutia. We like that kind of stuff. We like the little details of first appearances and when these things happened. It's uh, another fun part, I think, of collecting and reading lots of different comic books. So thanks, guys, for the email. I do appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch, by all means, send some email to bob at supermanforever.com. Bob at supermanforever.com. Thanks. I do appreciate the emails. You know, and at this point, I should say that I've been a terrible, terrible administrator of our Facebook page. Yes, we have a Facebook page, the Superman Forever podcast on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, do a search for Superman Forever podcast, like our page, and let's see if we can get some stuff going on over there. I've been a terrible administrator. I haven't been promoting it, and I very rarely have posted over there. But I notice we've been picking up some new members. I don't know if members is right, but it's not like it's a private thing or not. But it's, you know, you can like our page and then follow it. And if you're not subscribed to our show, that's another place where you will be notified that another show is about to drop. So check out our Facebook page at Superman Forever Podcast on Facebook. So I thought I'd pull back the curtain and let some of you guys see what's going on behind the scenes here of putting together this particular podcast, Superman Forever, because of this. Uh, there's a couple of episodes that I've been working on that are taking way longer than I planned for or thought it would take because of all the extra sound samples and sound files and sound clips and stuff that I wanted to put into the show and edit because I don't know, it's just something I wanted to do on those two episodes. So they're taking a lot longer to do them than I had planned. So I thought I don't want to keep, you know, putting out a show once every month or so because it's taking so long to produce that I needed to come up with another way to get shows out a little quicker and not panic I don't know if panic's the right word, but stress so much over them. You know, I once heard that uh, Saturday Night Live has a motto that says, uh, they go on the air when it's time, not when the show's ready. And uh, for some of these shows, I think I need to try to change my thinking and get into the fact that I'm going to do a show and get it out. And then periodically, maybe we'll have some of these special shows that are taking longer to edit. But in the meantime, I'll turn the mic on and babble about something. So I needed a way to do that, but still stay within the theme of my overall show, which is to take a piece of the Superman mythos that has happened over the last 76 years and talk about it, something in that vein. Now, as I said, one of the shows that I want to do is taking forever to edit and put together with all the other sound samples and stuff. So how do I stay on topic and force myself to just do the show on a timely manner? Well, this is not original, but this is what I came up with. Random thoughts. So what I've done is taken um, little slips of paper, 30. 40 of them, something like that, 30 or 40. I didn't actually count them. I just ripped up a whole bunch of little pieces of paper. And on each piece of paper, I put a one or two word topic. And periodically, what I will do is just pull one of those slips of paper out live here on the show. And without notes, without looking a bunch of stuff up, without, you know, um, uh, doing a whole lot of research, 
whatever the topic is on that piece of paper, I'll just talk about it for a while and give some of my feelings and opinions on whatever that topic is. The topic will relate to Superman. It'll be about Superman and the history of Superman. And it could be the comics, the movies. It could be just about anything. And this episode will be the first of the new segment, Random Thoughts. Periodically, I will do that. Pick a thing out of the hat. It's not actually in a hat. It's in a little bowl over there. And uh, I'll uh, pick one out and talk about it. So today is the first one. And let's get to that. Are you ready for that? I think I'm going to do that now. So here we go. I'm going to spin the dial, roll the dice, flip the cage, pick a piece of paper out of a bowl, whichever one you would like to visualize. And the first one we pull out says Christopher Reeve. Well, I guess you can't really have a Superman podcast without at some point talking about Christopher Reeve. And you can't really talk about Christopher Reeve on a Superman podcast without talking about the four movies. So, here we go. Christopher Reeve. Well, I first, like most of you, became aware of Christopher Reeve uh, when I started reading things about the making of the um, first Superman, the Superman the movie, starring Marlon Brando. And before the movie was released, the press was, you know, talking about it. And and, uh, I think if we had had an internet back then, the internet would have broken in half even more so than it did for The Man of Steel. Even things that we saw in other places, in articles and stuff that was not on the internet, but in other fan magazines and stuff, we would see the typical stuff that you would even see today. He's too short, he's too skinny, etc., etc. He had not been in anything before that we knew of. So how is this skinny soap opera guy going to be Superman? Well, as the movie got closer, Superman the movie, um, sometime in the, around 77, uh, I realized as it got closer to being, uh, uh, the release got closer, uh, I realized that Richmond, where I lived, was not going to get the movie until a week after it opened or premiered in several other cities, one of them being Washington, D.C. It's about 90 minutes away, 90 miles away. And at the time, in the late 70s, I was working at a radio station and I had some contacts and I made a couple of phone calls and got some tickets. Editor's note, I'm going to jump in right here because after I recorded this, I was talking to my wife and uh, she reminded me that during that time when I was working at the radio station, we had a Warner Brothers rep who would come by regularly to the radio station uh, to drop off albums to try to get us to play, you know, Donna Summer or something. Uh, We had a rock and roll radio station, a progressive rock and roll radio station. We weren't playing that kind of stuff. But Warner Brothers had other artists and other things going on. Well, I happened to mention to him, the Warner Brothers rep, that uh, I'd love to go see the Superman movie at the premiere when it opens in, in Washington. 
And sure enough, he came through. The Warner Brothers rep came through with three tickets. So that's uh, how I got in to see the premiere in Washington, D.C., was thanks to that Warner Brothers rep. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name now, or I'd give him credit. But but there were a lot of things that went on back there in the days. So back to the show, to the Washington, D.C. premiere. Now, I didn't think of it as a premiere, like, you know, Hollywood premiere thing. I didn't know that there would be any special people there. I just thought that's where they're going to open it first. And uh, we got tickets, and my wife and her uh, younger brother and I drove up there to see the opening, the premiere, the first showing of Superman the movie, 1978, Washington, D.C. Well, something that I didn't know until we got out of the movie until much much later, that at that movie, it was a beautiful theater, and it was packed. And all around the theater, the traffic was just maddening. Uh, security everywhere. Well, I just thought, ooh, this is a big deal. They're making, you know, spotlights and stuff. It's a premiere. It was kind of like a Hollywood premiere. But I didn't see any famous people. I didn't know there would be any famous people there. But the place, as I said, was packed. Now, I had not seen a live-action Superman since George Reeves. And that had been off the air for quite a while. So, no live-action Superman. few cartoons. And then this movie. So here we are, Washington, D.C. We finally get in, we get our seats about um, a little over halfway back to the right, on the right side, near the aisle. It's where we were sitting. Beautiful old theater. Huge screen. Place, again, was packed. And we find out later that at that very uh, show, then-President Jimmy Carter and his daughter uh, Amy were in there, along with uh, one or two of the stars of the movie and some other people. Now, we never saw them. We had no idea they were there. Uh, so none of that was important to me. What was important to me was as we were seeing Superman for the first time on a screen. And some of the, some of the preliminary pictures looked pretty good. But here we are in the theater. And uh, when it starts, of course, the credits were wonderful. The first time we'd seen some of that kind of special effects on the credits and the sounds and the swish and the swish and the swish and the swish. Now, I'm not going to do a whole review here of the movie. I might save that for later because, to be honest, in my opinion, and I don't know if this is the right place to put this, but um, as much as I love these first two movies, and in fact, all four of them, with Chris in them. I think with proper editing and shooting another scene or two, number one and number two together would have been a great, great movie. I would have gotten rid of most of the Krypton stuff. As my friend Andy Leyland says, that <laughs> Krypton has one purpose, to explode. So, um, in this movie, particularly the first one, Superman the Movie, now, there were a lot of oohs and ahs in the theater, and I was probably caught up in it, too, at the time. And that's kind of how I think about this movie now. I think of it in two different ways. One, the excitement of that premiere. But two, also seeing it with uh, sober, critical eyes now. But then, it was very impressive. But I do remember... 
that I was not crazy about Marlon Brando as Jor-El. I know that when he first came on screen, I almost laughed with that white wig. Um, and, it, it, yeah, I had some problems with, with Marlon Brando. And I think if we edit most of his stuff out, except the important stuff we need, and then get on to the Smallville, get to the explosion and get to the Smallville in the main scene, main story, uh, it's, a, it's a really, really, really good movie. So in the first one, I would edit a lot of Marlon Brando stuff out and some of the other few corny things that aren't necessary. Um, I would also, again, off the top of the head, and I was going to wait to talk about this, but, you know, while we're at it, some of the negatives that I don't like about those movies, and I'd mentioned Marlon Brando. The other one was there were times when Gene Hackman in this movie was absolutely brilliant, and you thought he was evil. But the problem I had with this movie and the second one, to some degree, is that the villains were almost played as the comic relief. And I have a real problem with that. I think Walt Disney had it right when he said, and he's been quoted many times saying this over and over again, that um, in all of his movies, Walt Disney... If Sleeping Beauty, if the princess, if the Prince Charming is going to be believable as the ultimate good in the, in the movie or in the story, then the bad guy has to be really bad. And in every one of Disney's movies, the Wicked Witch will scare the bejeebies out of any kid sitting in that theater. And he did it on purpose. He wanted to scare you. That's the point. Evil is bad. And it makes the light shine much brighter when we see the good stuff happen. And then when good prevails over evil, it has really accomplished something. So in some of these movies, with the Christopher Reeve movies, they played, they played in my mind, a little too corny. You had Ned Beatty, a great actor. In fact, look at the actors in this first movie. And in the first two movies, Marlon Brando, Ned Beatty, Gene Hackman, just absolutely brilliant actors. And Ned Beatty was absolutely wasted. I mean, some people liked it. Maybe, you know, you needed some laughs here and there, but please. So I think cutting those two together, splicing them together, because the first one had those problems that I just mentioned. And the second one, I could do a whole show on what I disliked about the second Superman movie. In spite of the great scenes, part of the plot, to this day, I still think is the, is the largest mistake ever made in any Superman movie ever. Or even TV show for that matter. It's the worst thing ever. And that was in Superman 2, the fortress, quote, love scene, end quote. Should never, 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 never have happened. Ever. 
In fact, when I watch that movie today, not like today, today, but modern times, when I pop that movie in to watch, I don't watch that scene. I skip right over it. I will come up with some other reason in my head. If the writers had to, okay, fine. If they wanted him to lose his powers for some reason, uh, to make it more dramatic, because that was a great scene when he finally gets back to the fortress, gets his powers back, hovers outside the window and says, stare to care to step outside general. That was fun. So if you needed him to lose his powers for some reason, figure some other way to do it. That scene, not only in my mind, ruined that movie. Makes it really hard for me to watch that movie. It led to the worst abomination of a Superman movie ever, Superman Returns. Yeah, I'm going to catch some slack for this. I understand that, but um, that's fine. Superman Returns was a bad movie. It was a bad bad Superman movie. Nothing about it felt comfortable or felt right. There were several decent Superman scenes, but overall as a movie, it was terrible. And because Brian Singer was so upfront when he was filming that movie, putting out all those things online regularly, I knew from almost his first post that I was going to hate this movie because they said right off, we're basing it on the second movie, where Superman and Lois made love in the Fortress of Solitude. Really? So the very thing that I hate about Superman 2, you're going to base an entire movie on 20 years later. Wow. I I think Brandon Routh could have been a great Superman. He had potential. And we're going to see what kind of a good actor he is. Now he's uh, on the arrow playing Ray Palmer. We're going to see him be the Atom as well. So it wasn't Brandon Routh. It wasn't his fault. I'm putting this one for Superman Returns right at the feet of of Brian Singer and whoever wrote that abomination. Everything about it was wrong. Because it's based on the fact that Superman and Lois had a little affair. She got pregnant. But he gave her a super kiss at the end of Superman 2 that wiped her memory So now she's pregnant, has a child, and doesn't know who the father is. Because, of course, right after that, according to Brian Singer, Superman left Earth for five years to, quote, find himself or find Krypton or something. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. Nothing about that Lois Lane felt natural with that child. I think Spacey was the only good thing about that movie. He was a decent Lex Luthor finally an evil Lex Luthor. There was no comedy in that. But let's get back to Christopher Reeve. Because the very, very best thing about the four so-called Donnerverse movies was Christopher Reeve. When he walked on screen, there was no doubt in your mind you're looking at Superman. In fact, to this day, I think... That, and in fact, we'll go back a little further to the uh, premiere. I'm sitting in the theater in Washington, D.C. with my wife and her little brother. And uh, 1978, I was 26 years old. Kim and I were not married at the time, so she was my girlfriend. We got married in 1980. But I remember as we watched that movie and the crowd was really into it. Some good scenes in the Smallville. But at the moment, when you first see Christopher Reeve in the costume, in the suit, 
at the back of the Fortress of Solitude, and he flies towards the camera and swooshes off. The crowd gave a cheer when that happened. It was like they'd been waiting. All of us, we'd just been waiting and waiting. Okay, Krypton, yes, 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 get it on with. But when Chris Reeve flew towards the camera, the crowd at that point jumped and cheered. And what did that lead to? Back into Metropolis, and here we are. Now we're into the meat of Superman the movie. And to me, one of the best opening Superman scenes ever. Still a great scene. From the moment Clark walks out of the Daily Planet, picks up the item that belongs to Lois, looks up and sees her hanging from the helicopter that is falling from that moment until that main scene ends of him now changing into Superman, flying up, catching her. You've got me. Who's got you? And then catching the helicopter, taking them back, putting them on the landing them uh, on top of the Daily Planet. Saying his little line and then just kind of flies off into the darkness and she faints. (laughs) Great, great, great scene. And then the rest of that movie was pretty good. I I kind of snooze out in the Can you read my mind? So... All in all, as I said, Christopher Reeve was a great, great Superman. Rewrite some scene for him to lose his power somehow to get them back. Eliminate all that love stuff in the Fortress of Solitude. And the thing that really dates this movie, obviously, is the clothing. When he stepped out of the chamber without his powers, and he's got that really bad 70s haircut with... uh, polyester pants and the sweater on his neck. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. Pretty much everything about it, the champagne, the scene, everything about that scene just makes my skin crawl. And in fact, sometimes I think uh, I enjoy Superman 3, the Richard Pryor movie with Robert Vaughn and all, uh, more than I like 2. Except that in 2, they've got some great scene, the great fight scene and throwing him into the cardboard Marlboro truck. So, but anyway, Christopher Reeve made those movies. And some will say that Chris became more of a Superman after his accident than before. Uh, there are reports that on set he was particularly in uh, the second and uh, third movie. Uh, that he took on a little bit of an attitude. But, you know, those are from some other actors and stuff. So, you know, with a grain of salt, you take those because you just never know uh, what happened in personalities and stuff. You just look at it on screen. And again, those first two movies, I think, would make one great movie together. Uh, And one other point that I will say here, I think when you're looking at canon as far as movies go, director's cuts and extended versions and stuff doesn't really count uh, if you're going to talk the canon or whatever. We have to be on the same page. So you go by what was put on the theater screen. That's what was released. And in my mind, and this is just for the record, in my mind at the end of Superman 2, the three Phantom Zone prisoners were killed. Now, because it was done jokingly, 
humorously, in a funny way, with uh, Nod trying to fly and then falling down into his crevice. Uh, Superman crushed Zod's hand, flipped him and threw him down in the crevice. And then Lois turns around and said, I've had enough of you. Hits Ursa, knocks her down through another part. They're gone. Where are they in the fortress? Oh, they went down and, I guess, trapped in a super force net of some kind so that Superman could take them off to jail. But that wasn't on screen. What was on screen is they're gone. They're gone. Lex, Lois, Superman leave the fortress. So that is a little bit of uh, controversy. But to summarize this little random thoughts about Christopher Reeve, he was a great Superman. I'll leave it up to others to decide whether you think he was the best or not. Um, again, I still have you know a problem with those kind of words, best, better, whatever. I like favorite because a person can like something without having to quantify or qualify it as the, the best of a certain thing. I think we have been lucky as fans of Superman. We've had some really, really good actors play those parts. Uh, particularly, in my mind, George Reeves and Christopher Reeve. We will see over time. I'm on record as liking Man of Steel. I enjoyed the movie. And we'll have to see over time how Henry Cavill takes on the role of Superman over the course of these next few movies. If you've seen the, uh, the stuff online, DC has a lot of superhero movies planned for the next four to five years, uh, including, of course, the, one, the first one, which will be Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, but Wonder Woman is scheduled to be in that and have her own movie. Superman will again have his own movie. The Justice League will have their own movie. Ben Affleck will have his own movie as Batman. And they're talking about others. So if you're a DC fan, if you're a Superman fan, we're going to see Henry Cavill on the big screen over the next uh, few years reprising his role as the current Man of Steel. I thought he did a great job in Man of Steel, and look forward to seeing what he's going to do in the future. Uh, But I'm not going to compare him to Christopher Reeve or George Reeve. I'm not going to say one is better than the other. My favorite to this day, because I'm an old guy, I see George Reeves as Superman. When I see him, I don't think, oh, there's George Reeves playing Superman. I see Superman. In certain scenes with Christopher Reeve, I see Superman. The same with Henry Cavill. Now, I want to keep this positive, so you notice I didn't really mention Dean Cain. Not my favorite. Uh, I thought he did an okay Clark Kent, but I never really um, got into his Superman. And uh, I only enjoyed, actually, the first season and a little bit of the second season of that show of Lois and Clark. I uh, had a hard time with that. But anyway, that's, that's a few random thoughts about Chris Reeve. And those first two Superman movies, again, they're great movies. They have stood the test of time, as they say. You can pop them in today, sit down with your family if you have children, and you can watch all of those movies and enjoy them for what they are. You may need some explaining explanations if you have children and with Man of Steel. It's a little more violent. 
or let's just say the violence in Man of Steel is a little more real than the violence in the Chris Reeve movies. The Christopher Reeve movies played off the violence for the most part and the bad guys for the most part as the comic relief. Let's not get them too bad. And as I mentioned earlier, I want my bad guys to be very bad. I want the threat to be huge. It doesn't have to be huge as in world huge, as in the world's about to explode or be destroyed huge. Superman can have, uh, there have been many, many stories written in the comics where uh, the villain was, the threat was to people's lives or to others. Uh, It didn't have to be the whole world, but the threat was serious. It was real. It was evil. And you needed a Superman to save the day. And I think if they forget that in any of these movies, you've made a mistake. And while I love Gene Hackman, I thought they misused him. We see parts of it periodically through both of those movies, and even the fourth one where he came back with the uh, quest for peace. There are moments when you see the true evil of Lex Luthor through the portrayal of Gene Hackman. But other times they give him a, they give Lex Luthor, a, you know, a henchman who they play off as joke. And it's all a joke for comic relief. I'm sorry. Sometimes that takes me right out of it. Are we going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Luthor? Sorry. Sorry. Don't get me wrong. Love those movies. But to this day now, in spite of all of those famous people in those movies, without Christopher Reeve, those movies are boring, bland. They're, they're just not anything that I would want to see. Christopher Reeve made those movies worth watching because when he walks on screen, he is Superman. I had no trouble believing Henry Cavill was Superman, and I have no trouble ever, of course, believing George Reeves was Superman, my first live-action superhero. So there you have it. I drew a name out of a hat. I drew a card, a piece of paper out of the bowl over here, and it said Christopher Reeve, and uh, I talked about him. Now, I will probably in the future do uh, a little more in-depth of Superman the movie and Superman 2, Superman 3 with Richard Pryor in it and Superman 4, Quest for Peace Um, in a little more in-depth or whatever. This was, again, off the top of the head, random thoughts about Christopher Reeve. And like I said, you can't talk about Christopher Reeve without talking about those movies and his first on-screen appearance as Superman. And he was only 26 years old. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Amazing. That's something else we have in common. Chris Reeve and I are the same age, uh, or he would have been. Both born in 1952. I was born in January of 52. He was born later in the year. Okay, that's it. I appreciate you guys for hanging around for this one. This is a little different. But uh, actually, I kind of enjoyed this kind of off the top of my head babble and ramble so but uh, off the top of my head a little ramble off a piece of paper that just simply said Christopher Reeve 
can you talk for 35 minutes about Christopher Reeve with no notes? Well, I did. What do you think? (laughs) So, once again, before I close out, I'd like to hear from you. So, send me some email. Bob at supermanforever.com And uh, if you're on Facebook, come on, like our page. Superman Forever Podcast. Like our page and, you know, make some comments. Talk to us. Let's get some communication going. Who's your favorite Superman? Depending on your age, if you're in that 30 to 40 age group, probably Christopher Reeve. But there's a lot of options out there, everywhere from live action to animation. Tim Daly on this Superman animated series was a great Superman. Now, one other thing that I'm going to say here. You know, there were some back when, when Man of Steel was starting and, and online, of course, was jibber-jabbering back and forth. Will it have this? Won't it have that? The trunks are gone. The costume is this. This is that. It's too dark. It's too dark. One of the complaints was that the great John Williams was not going to be doing the score for the Man of Steel. I'm glad he didn't. Like so many other things revolving around the Christopher Reeve Donner Universe movies, that brilliant score belongs with that movie. Now, it's been used in other places brilliantly, but when they decided to reboot and bring us a whole new Superman for this generation, I'm really glad they they went with a different composer too because it needs to be separate. The Donnerverse movies with Christopher Reeve live, but they live within their own sphere, within their own world, within their own universe, within their own time. It's fun to go back and look. Unfortunately, Chris Reeve is no longer with us, but his Superman will live for a long, long time. I always smile when I watch those movies. All of them. Even the parts that I really hate. Now, while I really hate them, I don't watch them anymore. But all four of them. Even the poor Chris in number four had no budget to work with. A decent script. No budget. Absolutely no budget. Special effects had been cut to nothing. And um, he still gave it his best shot. And with all of that other stuff happening that was pretty low quality of that movie. I can say the same thing about Christopher Reeve that I say about George Reeves. In every scene that those two are in, they gave it their all. George Reeves, not once while he was acting, did he think this is some stupid low-budget kids show. When he was acting, he was Superman. Or Clark Kent. The same about Christopher Reeve. They both may have thought the idea was foolish, the costume looked stupid, whatever. We don't know what they really thought. What we know is what they did on screen. And none of those four movies would have been the same without Christopher Reeve as Superman. Thanks again for listening, for downloading. I really, really appreciate it. Love to hear from you. What do you think? Send me some email, bob at supermanforever.com. And join our Facebook page, 
Superman Forever podcast. See you next time. together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring Superman and Batman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, the DC Comics Presents Show, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, It's Superman, the Schuster Herald Podcast, the Kara Zero Podcast, Superman Forever Radio, Superman Lives, Up, Up and Away, Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy Podcast. The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen's podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Russell Bride, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Bob Fisher, Bruce Moe, Mario Benessi, Drew Wintermeyer, David Byer, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com.